Having trouble staffing up? You're not alone. Our industry is facing an unprecedented labor shortage, and tech will play a central role in solving that problem. Yelp Kiosk was built in 2018 for restaurants who couldn't afford to pay a dedicated host. In 2021, Yelp Kiosk is supporting restaurants that want to do more with less. By adding Kiosk, your host is no longer trapped behind the host stand, enabling them to assist in all front-of-house operations. Learn more about how Kiosk can help your restaurant at restaurants.yelp.com forward slash kiosk. Now here we go. There's not a lot of people in the space of what Philip and I are creating. So I think it's a feel-good place, right? It's a safe space for people to come and build community around. So like, I think that's really why we spend so much time making sure it's great. So I think it's building a future for everyone. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. We've all got a lot going on. Sometimes it's hard to figure out how the headlines we see on the news directly affect our restaurants. But the truth is, what's going on out there does matter in here. Few see this more clearly than celebrity chef Naisha Arrington and prolific restaurateur Philip Camino. These two have decided to bridge the gap between what's happening in the world and what's happening in our businesses. Today, we unpack the mission of their new project and what we all have to gain from bite-sized business news. So I was put in contact with Philip Camino by Brad Metzger, and mm-hmm. I came to do a tasting at Fellow. First, we spoke on the phone. I thought, wow, this gentleman's really awesome to talk to. And then met him in person, came to the restaurant, and we had an amazing dialogue. And really, since then, we sort of kept in contact. And yeah, and now we have a podcast together there. <laughs> so a lot of things <laughs> in between. But that's the large brushstroke. <laughs> Philip, what were your initial impressions of Naisha? She's awesome. Uh, I have the same recollection. We got put in contact through Brad Metzger, who's a recruiter. I was looking for an executive chef for my restaurant in West LA and got put in touch with Naisha. And we started to dialogue around what the concept for that restaurant could become. It had been an iteration before that. And we wanted to move it into much more of a premium kind of Michelin level establishment. and Naisha was really at the top of my list. We made an offer, didn't end up working out because of a few different reasons, but we kept in touch and we just liked each other's dynamic and liked each other's moves. And when this opportunity came up that actually, Josh, you presented us, it made tons of sense for us to do this because, I mean, we're similar in a lot of ways. And I think there's a lot of great similarities between us. But we also professionally kind of attack the hospitality business from a different angle. I'm a little bit more on the creative and financial and marketing. And I come at it from a bit more of that standpoint. And Aisha is obviously a creative as well, but comes from it more from the chef standpoint and really like what that looks like. And those are different angles. But I think we do see things very, very similarly. And I think that's why our dynamic works. Media has become a huge part of our jobs as restaurateurs and chefs. And I'm curious, with all of the opportunities out there, how do you pick and choose what media and which mediums take priority when you're busy with a full-time career? Naisha? For me, it's all about social impact right now. I mean, I think after all the social unrest and 
everything that we saw kind of break in our, not break, but reset, I guess you can say in the sort of under message of COVID. I think it gave time some people respite and time to reflect and just give the world a bit of a break, obviously amongst a lot of pain as well. But I think for me, after seeing that and where I'd been since 2019, I really made some, you know, just took a hard look at my life. Like, where do I want to be in 30 years? I definitely want to be around. And how do I look at my, how I'm feeling my body? That became very important to me. And so I started dabbling in just like different approaches. Like, how do I feel if I eat plant-based? How do I feel if I work out twice a day, every day? How do I feel if I close my restaurant and walk away from it? Because I know that that's not even, this entity does not work. And I think sometimes we have to look at things realistically and not try to make it work if it's just not going to work. So 2019 was a huge growth year for me. And so everything preceding that, I really try to focus on what is going to move the needle, what is going to provide growth, how am I spending my time, like my lifetime, because we all know that's our one sort of non-renewable resource. So I really value time. And so it's a great question. For me, I'm really leaning into like TV and things like that. I'm passionate about restaurants. It's in my DNA. It just works with my brain and like the grid system within myself. To sort of round up all of those thoughts, for me, ultimately, I'm a creative. Like the recipe was, you have people patron your restaurant, you get a great write-up, and that was it. Now there's so many other avenues to be seen and heard and share your what's in your soul, my craft. So I've been able to do that a lot through the pandemic, through now to today. Like Having the podcast is an amazing outlet that really exercises the creative mind. So I'm grateful to be able to spend time to nurture that because it feeds me as much as I hope that I'm feeding it. I really pick and choose and just try to brainstorm a lot and just try to create a healthy environment within my own like ecosystem, myself ecosystem, so that I can like navigate those thoughts clearly. One of the reasons I was excited to talk to you initially, the beginning of 2020 was because I look at you and I see the future of chefdom. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it. That's a word. It's a word, right? It's yeah. because you get the business of food, you get food media, you get the value of the craft beyond the four walls. And you've effectively turned what is a skill or a career into a national brand. And I'm curious, who was your muse coming into that? Who did you look at and say, that looks good. I'll have some of that. Gordon Ramsay, for sure. I mean, he is monetarily and visually and just reach globally the best. I think what I really valued and from a distance emulated my decisions is that he is able to foster Michelin restaurants, work under extreme pressure under Marco Pierre White when people were still getting hit and burned and abused like I've seen a lot. So to be able to come from that and shift the passion from just putting food on a plate, and I don't mean that in any kind of way to dumb it down, but that exchange, right, and going through cutting the teeth, so to speak, to see him be able to monetize himself is like so valuable because I think anyone of any sort of high functioning entity about themselves can always bet on themselves. They always know that. You know what you're capable of, not in a selfish way, but you know that you have the power, right? Like self-power, which is important when goal setting. And so I think that Gordon Ramsay was able to create that North Star 
build his infrastructure and crush it. But yeah, I would say him, man. He's controversial, of course. You know, he's definitely not dubbed as a nice chef. It's just hard because I came up in that regime. So it's like, for me, where I'm at now is a lot of shedding trauma and also like growing and building. So it's a beautiful intersection. But yeah, I think Gordon's pretty awesome to emulate after. And Dominique Crenn, I think just because she's an amazing human and activist and she does great social justice work. Just to ladder up off that, Naisha and I talk a lot about this age demography that we, I think, luckily happen to be in this, I don't really know what the technical name is, but sort of this cohort of people who were born somewhere between like 1976 and 1982, where you weren't a digital native necessarily, you didn't grow up with digital, you didn't grow up with the internet, it's not really your first go-to, and you kind of came up a little bit more in like an older school type of way, both professionally and the way that you developed. And then the world changed quite substantially, but you still have one foot in the way that things were done. So you understand that world, but you also know how to adapt because you spent enough time in the digital world. You spent enough time in sort of this new age that we're in now that you understand both sides and you can play both sides really well. And I think there's a long term, I think the people in this cohort, and I think Josh, you're in that same age category, you can play both sides and you can really make some impact because you do understand how both the older audience and the younger demographic both interplay and how they both expect things to look and be. And there's a lot of value just in being like this age that we are right now. So I think that I'm very blessed and grateful that I was able to spend time in like that old kind of analog world, right? Where you grew up and it wasn't all about phones and digital media and all that. And you're able to kind of come out of that. And now it's a new world and you have to understand that too. And you have to be able to play on both sides. Well, I'm forgetting the the digital transformation entirely. We're seeing a huge cultural transformation within the industry. I mean, like foundational beliefs within this industry, just to throw a few out there, it's like prizing like an 80 to 100 hour work week, every single week, working ourselves to death. I hear it in clubhouse rooms still that one of the defining things about being a chef is like overcoming overwhelming adversity and like you don't hear computer programmers talking about things and like oh my god they gave me an abacus and a pencil and said build a supercomputer but you know we have those stories right you're like it was raining and there was a hole in the tent and there was no propane in the tank and somehow i managed to feed five thousand people in an hour and we're evolving beyond that to where people are asking that classic Tim Ferriss question. What would it look like if things were easy or at least easier? What if this whole thing was more livable or more manageable? And I think that's a great segue to talk to you, Philip, because one of the things I've always been in awe of about you is your business savvy. And the fact that I've always seen you as like a businessman first, and you just happen to be in the business of hospitality. I've watched you transform every hurdle into an opportunity and to see the way you like leverage the pandemic to improve your business and your life was super inspiring. Can you talk to me about all of the projects that you're working on now? Yeah, there's a number of them. I think the one that we're most excited about is it's called Fellow. It's in Westwood Village and just a beautiful space, just a hundred year old building, historically protected. It was one of the first buildings in West LA that was constructed. It's adjacent to UCLA in this great little historic village that doesn't feel like you're in the middle of Los Angeles at all. 
And for that reason, when I saw the building the first time, I just knew that there was something special that was going to happen there. And we've taken that space and really restored it and rebuilt it into this thing that just doesn't feel like it's really a part of the fabric of LA restaurants. It just feels very different and very unique. And that's the comment I get most often is people walk into the space and because it is a, such an old building, but we've done a nice job restoring it and kind of making it feel modern, but it, not really making it lose a sight of what it is or what it was. It has a unique vibe and unique feel to it. The part that's really interesting there that I'm probably the most excited about is we've recently took the adjacent space next to the restaurant over and combined the rooms and we've converted that adjacent space into an art gallery. And it's not just going to be a room full of local art. I mean, we're talking about really doing it properly at a world-class level with a world-class gallerist. The gallerist is bringing works from around the world and with some of the best and most well-known artists in the world as well into that space. And I think the interplay there between kind of world-class restaurant, world-class gallery, those things being intertwined and interwoven as much as they possibly can be from an experience standpoint is what I'm most excited about. I haven't heard of that really being done before. And so we're starting to like really explore that side of the business too, where we can take all this talent that we've assembled. And thank you for saying that earlier around us uh, growing during the pandemic is we certainly use it as an opportunity to go find great people and bring them onto the team. And we spend a lot of time thinking about how to not only recruit people, but Naisha and I talk about this a lot on the pod too. It's recruiting is one thing, but I think having that North Star, having that what we uh, like to refer to as the MTP, that massively transformational purpose, having that idea that people can look to and be motivated by every single day that gives a little bit of a greater purpose to why they're showing up every day at your building. If you do a great job with people, all the other stuff will work out. Working in the restaurant industry, there's always been plenty to worry about. And over the last year, cleanliness has been front and center in our minds and in the minds of our guests. Your world-class team and world-class patrons deserve world-class protection. Microband 24 Professional kills 99% of viruses and bacteria. It doesn't just sanitize and stop. It keeps killing bacteria for 24 hours, even when the surfaces in your restaurant are touched multiple times. And the EPA has approved Microband 24 Sanitizing Spray is effective at killing the virus that causes COVID-19. So you can achieve your most confident clean, touch after touch. Well, Naisha, I know you're busy. I stalk you on Instagram and I saw the recent collab with Shake Shack. Tell me about everything you're working on outside of the podcast. Mostly excellence all around. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are. I'm just like all around, flying all the places, doing all the dinners. The last place I went to that was really fun was Puerto Rico. We did a dinner there like three weeks ago and it was six courses with Jose Enriquez. Uh, super talented, awesome chef. So we collaborated and it was kind of like American meets Puerto Rican influence. Yeah. So Puerto Rico, that was really exciting. I've been shooting with Food Network a bunch, some cool recipes. And so that's been a fun, interesting journey. There are definitely some things in the pipeline that I cannot share, but people should be very excited. Whoever's listening out there, some really cool stuff happening I think, towards the end of the year. Working on a pop-up because I feel like we're out of 2020 and 
I'm ready to like bring some awesome vibes to the summer. I think it's going to be an amazing resurgence of like spirit in Los Angeles. So I'm looking to do an outdoor dinner series during the summer. And what else? Doing lots of virtual events. I do a few of those a week, which have been so rewarding, like teaching people how to cook. That's what I did a lot during the pandemic. And to be able to connect with people, like mostly there'd be like 50 people and we send curated boxes and we all cook together and it really brought a lot of joy to people. So I'm really just kind of like building this ecosystem around me to be able to do those things. A little bit of travel, a little bit of health and wellness, lots of cooking, all centered in that. But yeah, definitely been flying around a lot. (laughs) Well, and to set the stage, I think that this is a pivotal time in our industry. And I think that we've kind of touched on it, that it is the great passing of the torch from the generation before us to the next generation coming in after us. And we're like, right, we're the stewards of that transition. And I agree with you, Philip, that we are somehow stuck between these two worlds. And honestly, if I had to choose between the two, I think that the one coming is going to be much better than the one that bore us. So having said that, I think that now is the time for us to stand up as leaders and express openness and vulnerability and share our issues and the lessons we've learned. And I know that for the most part, those are the marching orders of the Happy Mouth podcast. And that that show is about translating what's going on today into information that's relevant for today and tomorrow. And so I'd love for you guys to kind of take turns and chat with me a little bit about what excites you about the project, what listeners can expect to hear. What I'm excited about in relation to the podcast is that it's information that is not traditional in the way that it's delivered. It's very relevant for a hospitality professional or anyone that's interested in the hospitality business. Whether you're a restaurateur, whether you work in a restaurant, whether you are just interested in what's happening in the business, there's information there that we're distilling and interpreting for you. So it's easy to understand and easily digestible. It's not a 45 minute long form interview. It doesn't sound like every other podcast. They're short. They're 10 to 20 minute episodes. Sometimes we throw an interview. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes they're a little bit more scripted, if you will. It sounds a little bit more like we're sort of taking you through some facts because it's fact heavy information that we want you to understand. Things like the restaurant revitalization fund. There's a lot of data in that that we want to let people know about. So we spend a little bit more time on the data and we let people know exactly what it is, how much they're eligible for, what the fund looks like, how to apply, that type of thing. And on those episodes, those are just really informational and factual and I think beneficial for the person that needs to know that information. There's other times where we're talking about concepts or we're talking about, like we just did an episode where we talked about 11 Madison Park going vegan, right? That's a really transformational and for me just kind of surprising turn of events for that restaurant. Really interesting. And I think it'll be an incredible journey for them to go forth that way. But we talked a little bit more about how that impacts things like sustainability. And that's just more of Naisha and I kind of riffing and talking back and forth based on our experience and where we think things are going from there. So I think, again, when you sort of take my background and Aisha's background, which are, I think we're very similar in a lot of ways, but we also come at this problem of hospitality and the issues in the business, we come at them from different angles. You get this really unique perspective 
that comes out of that. And I don't think you'd really be able to get that perspective on if it was one host from one experience. I think the fact that there's two of us and we come from different backgrounds really lends a very kind of like broad light onto a lot of these issues and a lot of these topics that we cover. And I think for that, it'll be over time as we really refine this and the chemistry really lands, it's going to be really interesting. And we also just given where we sit and who we know in this business and what we've accomplished thus far in our careers, and hopefully we keep going, we're able to access some people that most podcasts might not be able to access right away in this like infancy of the podcast. We're able to get great people on the phone and talk to them about what they're doing and their insights as well. So sometimes we're pulling people on that don't have our perspective and have another one. And we're able to sort of glean out ideas from them and creative concepts from them that really add light and color to what we're talking about. I think the fun thing about it, just to wrap up that is there's just, it's not really formatted to a way that is standard or traditional in the, in this medium. And I think for that reason, people are going to gravitate towards it. And I hope they like it. And if they don't tell us, and we'll try and make it better. Naisha, what excites you about the project? I think as creatives, the responsibility of that person is to celebrate the culture of where we stand today, right? We are taking some information from our ancestors. We're sharing what data we know, and we're also setting a course of excellence for the future. So I think having that sort of stage or platform is a responsibility of sharing all of those sort of messages in tandem. To Philip's point about the idea around sustainability, right? That's a huge topic that's, I mean, plaguing our globe. It's just, we can't turn really a blind eye to that conversation anymore. So I think highlighting subjects like that, that we talk about, you know, food deserts and food insecurity and the idea of being able to support a gentleman who doesn't even live in our state purely by broadcast and connect with someone in Philly and help feed people with his Philly cheesesteaks is like huge impact. So I think for me, having the reach, being able to really be a part of like memories, you know, we are making memories and we're like storing them. And there's like a forever data of dialogue, right? So like, that's super cool. And people in the future can come back and know what we all like talked about. So it's little like time capsules of our ancestors, who we are today, and what we're talking about for the future. So I think that's a very powerful voice to have. When does it air? Every single day. You get the bite-sized news <laughs> coverage. You're welcome, Google. <laughs> it's, that's uh, a lot of work. It's, I was about to say, it's not easy. So I hope people yeah, appreciate and love. I mean, most hospitality people I know are not sitting around all day. So the idea is just to like, give you that pertinent information, give you a glimpse into what's happening today, tomorrow. And yeah, so five days a week, it's bite size. Listen to it, getting ready in the morning. And yeah, and it's fun because we mix it up, right? We do our fun Fridays. We might bring in a person. We brought in Chef May, Chef Schlosser. We brought in a bunch of people, Mary Wagstaff. Like we're having conversations with people that are in our industry in many different facets, right? So it's super cool. And yeah, I'm excited about all of it, really. <laughs> I end every show by asking, do you have any advice or words of encouragement for the audience? But this is a very different show. And I've already asked you about that question over the years. And so I have a different question for you. And it's, what are your hopes for the show? And what kind of impact would you like to see the show make? Philip, you can start. Yeah, as I listen to Naisha's comments and 
even thinking about what I said about it, I think where this goes is it really becomes a tool to help people, whether it's information that helps someone go into their day more armed with the information that they need to make better decisions for their business, or whether it inspires someone to take the step into something that maybe they were contemplating or they didn't have the motivation to do it, or they didn't have the tool to do it, or maybe it just helps motivate someone or it just helps inspire someone to do something that is a little off center for them, or they get exposed to a conversation with Mary Wagstaff, like Naisha said, and she says something that really gets someone thinking, and maybe that inspires them to do something that they wouldn't normally do. So I think it's just about helping and enabling. And I think if we can reach enough people with this message and keep it positive and stay on track to our ideals, I think that's what I'd love to see for. I'd love to see this be a tool that inspires and helps people achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve in their lives. Chef? Honestly, I think the Happy Mouth podcast is more than just a podcast. It's like a whole movement. (laughs) You know, it's like, it is, it's like a whole brand. And I think like, there's not a lot of people in the space of what Philip and I are creating. So I think it's a feel good place, right? It's a safe space for people to come and build community around. So like, I think that's really why we spend so much time making sure it's great content for people. We're not just like doing it to do it. We're both very passionate and put a lot of work into it. So I think it's really about building community and building a future for everyone, right? And so that's how we sort of water the, the soil and hope it to bear fruit. That's Philip Camino and Naisha Arrington. For more on the Happy Mouth podcast, visit restaurants.yelp.com forward slash happy mouth. Tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content. Go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.